Peace, what's going on? It is I, once again, C.Versity. The C stands for control. This is another episode of the Talking to Myself podcast. If you haven't already, you need to like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is that you need to do to stay up on the notifications for this here podcast. If you're listening, shout out to you for listening. For you watching, I'm fresh as shit. <clears throat> so, let's get into... Uh, ah, let's get into my first topic my first topic of the day is uh, no advice sorry I was drinking my coffee Um, or really why I don't ask for advice when it comes to business or family and things of that nature Um, business wise I don't really ask for advice um because I come from a place where uh, working behind the scenes in the entertainment business, I had the people were, that were around me were a lot um, more well-known and successful. They were just, they were more, they had more experience in the things that I was working in. I, I prided myself on being the uh, least experienced person in the room, quote unquote, the dumbest person uh, in the room. So I could gain all of the experience and knowledge that way. I did that for years. But um, being with those kind of people, like whenever there was, let's say there's a problem. Because oftentimes when you're working, when you're not even working, when you're just involved in the entertainment lifestyle, shit comes up that's like really expensive. Like like you'll just need like five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars or something and it has to be soon fairly quickly in your regular life you don't usually need that amount of money that fast without some kind of warning but in this business shit will happen all the time where it's like okay we got this needs to be accomplished five thousand dollars this needs to be accomplished that could be ten thousand dollars and i'm rubbing my eyes just thinking about some past experiences and conversations where that happened um but it really would just take a matter of sitting around with the team and smoking until we came up with an answer and we would always come up with an answer okay that's got to be done then cool we got we'll pull this move that's two thousand we go do this other move that's three thousand then it puts us a lot closer when we need to be boom we're not that far hey go bust those moves smoke again and figure it out like all right this we came this far who can we call to bust another move whether it's doing some label meetings or negotiating a feature or things like that like I, I was being too vague but like uh let's say we wake up in the morning and we all sitting there all right like this is the financial goal for today like not because someone's like yo i feel like making this amount of money like no something is coming there's a deadline that's coming and we need five ten thousands right now so what can we do today to make that money all right boom go close this loan on somebody's house that's being foreclosed boom go get this artist escort this artist into a meeting there's a fee for that boom this artist needs a feature all right cool i'll spend all day and i'll spend the next two days with this artist there's a fee for that and then those two days he'll meet whoever he needs to meet boom but by the end of that day or that two days we've got the, the money that's needed i don't have that team now so there's i don't have people around me that i can just 
be like, oh man, I need $5,000 right now. And we're going to figure it out right now. These. Next. So I largely have to come up with these things or bust these same moves by myself. Um, people around me now have seen me do it. They'll be, they'll be like, oh, such like something, something needs to be paid for. Like, hey, rent's coming up or something. Like, okay, my answer usually is like, all right, cool. Let me go send these thousand emails and see where I'm at with it. Because if I send these thousand emails to these thousand artists, only need a couple of them to respond and say, cool, I'm ready to pay now. And that's been like one of my biggest saving graces. But I don't have people around me now that I can just be like, yo, I need $5,000 today. I need $10,000 today. Um, so I can't, it's weird. I can't ask for advice on moves that need to be made. Like the people that I run into now that can get five, ten thousand $10,000, it's like heavy ass scams that I don't want to be a part of. And I'm not comfortable like asking the homies for like a lot of money. Like the most I might ask the homie for is like a hundred dollars that they'll get back like the next day type of thing. Cause I don't like owing people. So, uh, I definitely don't have the same people around me that can help me work up that, those thousands of dollars. So it's pushed me back into a very, uh, quiet place business wise. Had to figure out other alternative moves and, uh, creative financing. So that's why I don't ask for advice when it comes to business. I just don't have the experienced, uh, team around me that I would have, that I used to have. And it would take too much explaining to the new people around me. To the, and I still wouldn't get the help. Like, I do all this explaining. Well, this is how I used to do it. And they'd just be like, oh, okay. Um, kids. I don't ask for advice when it comes to parenting because I have a lot of kids. No one I know has as many kids as I do. Um, my mom, and that's it. Basically, <laughs> basically my mom. Or um, the lady that the ladies that raised me, um, then that's it, but as far as that, I don't know anyone else that has as many kids as I do, and I had kids young, like, I first found out about my first kid when I was 19, um, and I'm 34 now, so, and if I, and then if I got a hat on, you don't know I'm 34, like, put some respect on my hairline, um, you don't know I'm 34 if I got a hat or a beanie or something on, so if you see me out with one kid, you might think I'm on my first kid. And try to give me advice. And that is so annoying. Like, listen, I haven't needed advice uh, since almost, like, none of these kids. I was the oldest of seven that I helped raise and teach how to write and math and potty train and all that type of shit. So when it came to kids, like, I was ready. Mostly. There's a few things that I've learned along the way for sure. A few modern things. But there is absolutely nothing anyone is going to tell me about how to raise some kids not when I have a lot of boys and girls now there's certain milestones I haven't hit like uh, when it comes to like daughters and their period I'm going to need some advice on that but other than that I'm good when it comes to boys hair girls hair how to deal with attitudes homework teachers Kids, when they be lying on the teachers, teachers that be lying on the kids, um, wardrobe, showers, I know how to dress my kids in a way that's cool, but not 
drain in my pockets. I know where to go for the uh, Jordans for the low. I know where to go for the matching clothes for the low. I do all of the investigating on schools. The school system ain't right. They up out of there. I'm, what are you going to tell me about some kids outside of what I just said that I needed advice on? Absolutely nothing. And I was a foster kid. All my friends are foster kids. Like, we have seen the worst when it comes to, like, parenting. We, the foster kids make the absolute best parents. Well, at least the ones that have understood that there's a cycle that needs to be broken. Uh, myself and my uh, foster homeboy friends are some of the best parents I know. Like, you know... I don't have any friends that like uh, who aren't shit as a dad. Um, some of us aren't shit as like boyfriends, but when it comes to like parenting, oh, we're the shit. We are top notch. I don't know any dads better than us. The only way someone could be a better dad than us would be if they just didn't have the stress and problems that we had to deal with, and that is it, because they've got more like money or something. That doesn't necessarily make them a better dad, but it does present better opportunities for sure. But as far as like the best dads, it's got to be uh, aged out foster kids who know that they would like to break the cycle or anyone that's close to that realm of things. Like I got a homeboy who he wasn't a foster kid, but his mom was a, a foster mom. She took in like foster kids like his whole childhood. So he has the same mentality. You've seen it all. So those, yeah, I'm not asking for advice when it comes to parenting at all. Not even a little bit. Man, what else am I not asking advice on? I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, What could I use advice on? Credit. Credit. I think that credit is the last thing that I ask for uh, advice on because I got a homeboy who uh, actually majority of my homeboys are pretty good when it comes to credit and that's something that I can come to them for advice on but it, as far as anything else in life I'm not coming to anybody for advice on how to cook shit because um, I'm in this kitchen whipping I'm not coming to advice on parenting because I've got hella kids and I'm active and they'll tell you I'm the shit I'm not coming to you advice, coming to anyone for advice on business because I've been in this thing long enough to where I can learn from my own mistakes. I've learned from mistakes from people around me and I can see a mistake coming from a mile away. Can you? Um, Y'all need to work on that, man. So what is something that you could use some advice on? Or what are some things that no one can give you advice on even if they wanted to, because you're the shit when it comes to it. Let me know, um, or am I just talking to myself? Peace. We are back for another segment of Talking to Myself. I, of course, am your host with the most seek adversity. This segment, I want to get into uh, smoking. More so, like, why I smoke and 
some other shit. I don't want to break down everything, but I smoke a lot. For those of you who are watching this on video, this right here is a LeBron Zoom 2 shoebox full of wraps. You dig? So yeah, this shoebox is all just different wraps from like the different cigars and shit that I be smoking. I smoke a lot. And this is just the 2020 box. And we're only halfway through the year. And this box is full of all of the different Optimos and Gains and Dutches and Swishers and shit that I be smoking. Hold on, my shit almost went out. And mind you, I've got two more. I've got two more boxes like this. I've been doing one of these boxes um, since I moved in here. So I might have three actually. Each year, I pick a shoe box and I, I fill them with the different empty wraps from all the different Optimos and Gangs and Swishers and Dutches that I'd be smoking. The box lets me know what kind of year I was having. Like, what. Because if, if you see a good amount of these, that means I was on the grind. Because I don't smoke swishers. So if you see a good amount of swisher wraps in my box, that means I was on the move. And hitting stores that ain't. I'm not in my usual area. I'm hitting spots that I don't usually hit. And it, that's all they had. I don't like to smoke swishers because. It's a harsher smoke. It's like a double wrap on that bitch. So I like to smoke games and uh, um, Dutches. It's a thinner wrap. It's a smoother smoke. Uh, I started out with Swishers. And I used to smoke a lot of Swishers. Because that was like all I knew. <sighs> then uh, one day... I think I was out somewhere and I didn't have Swishers. And I was uh, forced to try something else. And I think that's how I ended up on the Duchess. Or the Duchess might have just been cheaper or something at that time. However it happened, I ended up on something that wasn't a Swisher. And it changed everything. I was like, yo, this Swisher, it's fucking thick. It's harsh as shit to smoke. Uh, this other shit, um, it's way smoother. I feel like I can actually taste the bud. Um, I didn't start smoking until I was 18. I graduated high school at 17. Um, and I, my best friend, one of my best friends, my female best friend, Denise, uh, we were the same age. We met when we were 12 years old. And when I met her, she was sitting on the curb, actually on the, the block that I live on now. Um, and she was smoking with these college kids I assumed she was the same age as them I didn't find out later on that we were the same age so fast forward um, best friends all through high school after high school she takes me to get my um, first tattoo and then hands me my first blunt and I feel like I can still remember how high I was that that day excellent I'm so glad I waited it didn't smoke weed like during high school 
not to say that there's something wrong with those kids. I'm just glad that I didn't because it's like I've, I've got an addictive personality. It would have been something that I was, I would have been all on it. I would have been stoner kid. Um, so, so happy that I waited until I was uh, 18. And um, fast forward a couple years, like I'm in California. I've always, not always been in California, but since pretty much my weed smoking experience has always been through medical marijuana. I've never had the experience of having to call someone or pay somebody and wait for the, the weed man to come through. Never had that experience. I've always bought my weed from dispensaries. Um, which has probably helped me in the sense of why I have boxes full of these things. Because when you can just walk in anywhere and just, you know, any time of the day and buy weed. Uh, I don't buy anything else, I, honestly. I just, um, I just smoke. Um, I'm not a big drinker. Like, I'll, I'll buy drinks if I'm out, but I don't buy alcohol for the home, if that makes sense. Uh, I only have, like, weed things at home. Like, I have a bong. There's my bong. Um, I've got a rolling tray. I've got several rolling trays. Uh, my favorite thing to do is to take the trays from hotels when I'm like touring and stuff uh, and traveling is I like to take the tray and I, I, keep, I keep a collection of trays um, smoking when it comes to kids I'm, I'm not for like underage smoking um, like I'll never be the guy that's going like into a dispensary and buying weed for somebody underage or going into the store and buying blunts for somebody who's underage. Like, it's not that serious. Like, it can wait until you would turn at least 18, I feel like. Especially as a father. Like, I'm not going to be the dad that's smoking with his underage kids at all. I don't care how much weed I smoke. That shit is out. And I've got teenagers now, so I can't... Um, I don't smoke. I've never smoked inside of the house. I don't care where I live. I've never. I don't smoke inside the house. Me having a garage now is the closest I've smoked to being inside the house. Um. So I don't have like. You're not gonna find weed paraphernalia anywhere inside my house. Like at zero. Like butts don't reach the inside of my house. Um. And I don't leave. Like right now, I'm in my home studio office thing and I don't just leave weed out at all if I leave the weed goes with me just in case uh, teenage kids is feeling froggy uh, with their shit with dad's shit uh -huh. or their friends is feeling froggy with dad's shit so um, ain't no oh I stole this from my dad and we about to get extra high nope nope um, so yeah I don't support kids smoking underage and it's not because I didn't start at underage like honestly I don't think weed smoking never came up before I was 18 like I'm, I was always around here's the funny thing I was always around um like the rest of the hood kids and shit at school and in the city and they just they never asked me like nobody ever asked me to join their gang nobody ever asked me to sell crack nobody ever asked me to smoke weed um but man, I would have been with, I would have been down with all that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody ever asked though. It's the funniest thing. Like I'm there, and I'm there with y'all. Like I, I gave the homies some money to buy weed uh, in high school, but they didn't. 
they never passed me the blunt. It's like, oh yeah, you know, like, like yeah, you know, when it, when it get here, you know, you definitely gotta smoke. You gotta put it on this, whatever. But nobody ever was like, oh, they understood that certain shit, I guess, is ain't for him. But I, man, I would have been down with all that shit. Um, I don't smoke that synthetic shit. Never have I ever will I do that. Um, it's important, I believe, to talk to your kids to keep them away from shit like that. Because um, that fake shit seems like it's a lot easier for them to access than the real shit sometimes, depending on where you live. And that that fake shit, I have your kids jumping out the window. So being transparent with kids is definitely helpful for sure. Um, but they definitely can't touch my shit. Not at all. When do I think I'll stop? Never. Uh, you know, I've got friends who have stopped smoking or say they'll stop at some point. I will never stop smoking. I don't care if these blunts take a lot. I will never stop smoking. I will find some way to get this weed in my body. Now, do I believe it's a gateway drug for myself? Absolutely not. For as long as I've been smoking weed, if it was going to lead me to some other shit, it would have led me to some other shit. And I don't do other shit. So, um, to say that weed is a gateway drug is really just to say that that person has something going on with them that would have led them to that other thing anyway. I can't blame weed for shit besides making me hungry. Um, it doesn't control my pockets because it's not an expensive drug. Um, and the way these dispensaries are set up, um, you can go in and really pick the quality that you want. Um, it sucks for people that are stuck in areas without legal dispensaries, um, and they're getting stuck with boo-boo. Now, my views on smoking might have changed had I not grown up in the medical marijuana gold rush. (laughs) Now, if I had grown up somewhere that didn't have, like dispensaries and shit, I probably would have maybe a different view. I'd probably be more of a drinker because it's legal. My, yeah, my smoking uh, trait, personality, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, is probably purely based on the fact that I've been in Southern California all this time. Um, and I'm cool with that, man. That shit gonna change. I'm, matter of fact, let me cut this short so I can go finish this shit right now. Or am I just talking to myself? Peace, what's going on? It is your guy C. Diversity here on the last segment of Talking to Myself. Um, I had already recorded this segment earlier today, but uh, there were some things that I felt that I missed and my microphone came in the mail today from Amazon so I wanted to re-record this and uh, see how this shit sounds um, so one of the things that I'm focusing on right now is my finances because um, I've got a lot going on in my life and one of the things that I've been really bad at in the past is focusing on finances <clears throat> saving credit things like that so Um, Like, as of right now, my credit score is somewhere in the mid-500s. I won't get into the exact score, but just the fact that it's in the mid-500 means that it's pretty bad. Uh, My credit plan is to open up secured credit cards 
um, in my personal, from my personal account and business accounts, establishing my personal and business lines of credits. Damn, it is hot in here. Dab that up, hold up. All this sweating on camera. Um, yeah, so working on my credit by opening up secure lines of credit because my credit's so bad that they won't just give me regular credit cards. So secured credit cards is when you come to the bank with a uh, certain amount and you front your limit, what's going to be your credit card limit. So I come in with like $700. That's my credit card limit from that point on until I build up a better rapport and they raise the limit on their own. So the plan is to come in and open up a line of credit every week or two, uh, hopefully around $700 to $1,000 um, and have about three or four lines of credit working. <clears throat> so that way, uh, when my roommate moves out, I'll be able to handle things more financially um, on my own. Um, without having to deal with telling my landlord that shit is going to be late. So just swipe that shit and just pay it off that same month. Not just paying the minimum, but paying off the entire shit that same month. It is hot in here. And I would turn on my fan, but I don't want the noise. In the... Yeah, that's, that's too much noise. Anyway, um, so that's the plan with as far as credit. Establishing several lines of credit very fast. Um, working on my savings, so putting, because um, I have several apps that I get up every day that pay me to do things. So take one app, and that's my daily spending money. And take the other app, and that's my, that's what's going into my savings and credit. So just splitting up my income and using that savings to invest into real estate. I have some land that I'm looking at out in California City, about an acre. I'd like to purchase and put a small prefab home on it while I build a bigger home. That's uh, got another piece of land fairly close to it that I plan on using for farm areas. So that's two land plots that I plan on investing in um, in California and just moving off the grid um, with a very large home and just dealing with that instead of paying rent the rest of my life. And also looking into real estate in uh, Italy. Italy is doing this thing where they have villages that they're going to be depopulating. So instead of doing that, they're offering up homes for one euro. Um, that's not counting like closing costs, notary, etc. That's going to cost you a few thousand. But you are, um, you can get you, dab, dab. you can get a home that's going to need some work for uh, one euro. And you've got two to three years to remodel the home. And the plan is to turn it into an Airbnb or bread and breakfast uh, when I'm not there using it myself. So in the meantime, I've been reaching out to people in America who've already purchased homes over there. They've done their own remodeling. And people that I can ask actual questions to without just dealing with some foreign person. And it was important to find someone that was black that has already done this. They've already put the money up. They've invested. They've remodeled. They've been documenting their whole journey. So I found that person. And I found some other people over in Italy. I found real estate agents and tour guides and things of that nature. So working on getting myself over to 
Italy and checking out the places that are on my list that are available for one euro. I'll let you do your own research on why it's one euro and what the actual costs are, things of that nature. What else is on my notes? Investing. Uh, I'm still buying Bitcoin, not as much. Um, it used to be every. It used to be a daily thing every day. I don't buy it every day like I used to. Um, because I wasn't really using it. It was just kind of something that I was sitting on and I had more immediate issues uh, financially that needed more attention. But I do, I have, I do have a good amount saved up and I'll be investing more into that, but not as heavy. I'm more into day trading, switching from TD Ameritrade to Webull because TD Ameritrade wasn't giving me the real-time quotes uh, it was like a 15 minute delay and it's hard to make money when you're investing in the day trading side when there's a 15 minute delay I need up to the second stat so Webull is what I'm using currently for my day trading um, there should be a link in the description that you can go to and check out and click for you to get some free stocks if you sign up with Webull just for signing up not even using it um, but really as a whole just being way more financially responsible it took me um, about the better part of last year to finish paying off the IRS so now I'm working on my credit and real estate and these are things that I haven't been doing before but I've been spending uh, all that time that I was down financially I spent time researching the things that I knew that I was going to be doing once I wasn't uh, so down financially I'm still down but not as down so uh, I'm still broke, but not as broke. Just working on it, having constant money, having a savings. I've never had more than like a few hundred dollars to pull on at one point in time. So I'm trying to work on having thousands to have on hand in case of emergencies and for all the different ideas that I have floating around. Now to execute these things, it has been taking uh, more work on my part in the sense of making sure all of my streams of income are increasing to properly finance the things that I want to do. So that means putting more energy into my company as far as marketing and getting clients, um, putting more energy into if I'm doing delivery services and that, cranking up the amount of things that I do, just 10xing everything, getting more money and reinvestigating into things that are going to eventually make me money short term very fast. Uh, I'll make another show or uh, episode about where I'm going to be at with my long-term plans. These are all short-term plans, even like the the one euro thing. Like I'm getting my passport ASAP, going to Italy ASAP, and investing in some land. But um, let me know what some things that you're investing in and what you have planned. What are your short-term goals? Do you think mine are realistic? Um, I'm doing this for two reasons. One. So I can hold myself accountable for the things that I say and two, to hopefully inspire you to turn your life around financially, especially in these downtrodden quarantine times. Uh, that is all for today. Make sure that you like and subscribe if you're watching this on video. Make sure that you um, follow, like, subscribe if you're just listening to the audio so you'll have notifications for when this next thing goes out or am I just talking to myself?